Lots of you have asked for it, and this week we deliver. We get inside one of the most marvelous minds in this sport. Three-time Elite Series winner and 10-time Classic qualifier, Steve Kennedy. I'm Bob Cobb for the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. It was the night before the Elite Series, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Well, I guess it's only the night before the Elite Series. If you listen to this show when it's first released, if you listen to it a few days later, it's not the night before. It might be the night after the start of the Elite Series, or it could be a year after the Elite Series. So anyways, if you're punctual, it was the night before the Elite Series. And we will deliver today, because all of you asked, we heard it from a lot of people, when are you going to have Steve Kennedy on? Well, we've got him here today. And uh, as I said in the open, he truly has one of the most marvelous minds in this sport. If you look at Steve Kennedy's career, he has accomplished a ton. I mean, he is a three-time Elite Series champion. He's qualified for 10 classics, I think seven Forest Wood Cup, so that's 17 national championships he's competed in. He's got like 60 top 10s. He was the former heavyweight champion of professional bass fishing with the all-time weight record in the past. I mean, there's not much he hasn't accomplished in the sport, but if you look at his record, what Steve Kennedy excels at is seeing things different than anybody else. When he is at his best is when he is thinking outside the box, and... uh he truly is one of the most amazing minds in the history of this sport. And I'm thankful, even though he doesn't find talking to me in these situations very comfortable, uh, I, I enjoy our chats, and, and, I, and I hope you do too. Without further ado, the one and only Steve Kennedy. Steve Kennedy, thank you very much for doing this. And you know a man has amassed a lot of trophies when he's actually using a trophy to balance the iPad to do this interview. There you go. I, yes, there's getting to be too many. I don't know what to do with all of them. So <laughs> trying to it, limit it just to the wins at this point. So <laughs> Trials and tribulations of your incredible career. One part about your career, I, I mean, do you even like, do you like this, doing this kind of thing, like the media around fishing, or is it just a necessary evil for you? <laughs> <laughs> it's a necessary evil. I, I'm getting more comfortable with it. I'm getting a lot more comfortable with it. But yes, I have an engineering degree and it shows at times. I'm an engineer in a marketing world and it's it's awkward at times, but but I'm coming around. It's, I'm sweating right now. <laughs> Just relax. Just relax. Between I did so well on the stage. I spent a lot of time last year before the classic. I knew what I was going to do on the water. And uh, so, yeah, when we got in there doing our stuff, I got up there on that stage and just looked around and, you know, just try to get comfortable. Cause, uh, cause yeah, when I get thrown into that situation, it, uh, it can go either way, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's all blank in a hurry. <laughs> and it's also a weird thing. Like the way, you know what I mean? Like other sports, you go compete in the sport and maybe you do an interview in front. You don't come in front of everyone and get just like, it is a weird, I mean, it it's is, the original it American Idol. We put two people in the center of the stage. So one, so we can watch one win and one lose. That's yes. Anyway, yeah, it's, it's, it's different for sure. So. Speaking of winning and losing Auburn basketball, number one in the nation. <laughs> that is freaking awesome. First time ever for the school. So, uh, can't say I've ever seen that before. So, what is it with Auburn and you? I mean, I, I we know you went to Auburn, but I mean, to make the commitment to you're synonymous with Auburn. I mean, you got Bill Dance with the Tennessee hat, and you're that in bass fishing for Auburn. Um. Anyway, it's it's. I feel like it's a hat that I earned. You know, it's just I have the degree. I spent a lot of time here, and. Uh, I, you know, back when I first started fishing, everybody's like, you know, where's Kennedy? You know, who's Kennedy? They didn't know who I was. They said, just look for the Auburn hat, you know? It's, so I've, I've tried to stick with that since I've uh, moved up. On. <laughs> and anyway, I love it. My, my, my grandfather went to Auburn. My aunts, uncles, parents all went to Auburn. We got one cousin that went to uh, 
went to Alabama. <laughs> Does that cousin get invited to like the parties and stuff? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's awkward, you know. <laughs> I don't think people outside of Alabama, I've tried to explain it to people. I don't think people understand what it is. There's, there's no comparison. It's not the Yankees and the Sox. It's bigger than that because it's everything in Alabama. Right. We, we do not have any pro sports. I mean, nothing significant, some, you know, AAA stuff, but, but no, we don't have any pro sports. We've got Atlanta, but you know, Atlanta Braves were pretty awesome, but as far as football, they, they weren't very good back in my day anyway. So, uh, but yeah, we don't have any other pro sports. So yeah, it's all about college and, and, you know, it shows. <laughs> I think it does anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's an incredible passion that you have to, you know, when I first got there, when I first worked for Bass, I, I actually made one of the worst mistakes because that was the year that Auburn, the year I got hired, Auburn won the national championship in football. So I'm a Canadian kid at home and I had just met Trip one day at JM and this is going to be my new boss and everything. And I knew he was all about Alabama. So I watched the news and they're talking about this team from Alabama winning the national championship. And I called him up and I'm the next morning. I'm like, you know, I'm going to Brown nose my boss. So I call him up and I'm like, Trip, congratulations, national championship. And he's like, you must love, you must be out of your mind. <laughs> and I said, well, I heard the Alabama team and, then he explained the demographics to me, and yeah. I never made I that. Mean, they're, they're, we have fun with it, but yeah, there's some true hate, dude. I'm telling you, it's, there's some true hate around here with it, but but we have a good time with it. It's fun. It's all in good fun for us. So. All right, I mean, let's kill our trees. So, hundred and something year old trees. So, what did they do to your tree? Come on now, you didn't know all this. At Tumor's Corner, we had two big live oaks that we used to roll. Are you baiting me here? What is it? No, I'm not. I, I'll be honest. I'll be totally. The, the, the only, the only rule on this podcast is tell the truth, right? And I will be honest. There's things I hear that happen, but they're so obvious to everybody else around me, like this story here, that I never stop and be like, oh, what, what's going on? Give me, give me okay, the, give me so the deal. After every big win, we roll Tumor's Corner, which they just won after beating Bama the other day and Kentucky the other day. But, but yes, we uh, we rolled the, the corner, and we had these two huge live oaks that have been there for 100, 150 years, as long as the school's been here, I guess. And yeah. So, yeah, we had a Bama fan come in with some, you know, tree poison. I don't know what it's called. But, uh, but yeah, he put it in and then got on the radio and told everybody that he did it, and they're all like, I hope he's joking and – but yeah, over the next couple of weeks, they turned brown and died. And uh, and at this point, we still—I mean, there, there's two trees there now at this point. But yeah, they're not doing extremely wow. well. <laughs> so, but yeah, wow. true story. It's toilet paper's <laughs> yeah, okay, but when you the rest of the campus, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that's that's horrible. That's horrible. It is. It's, well, anyway, that was a little much. <laughs> all right, Let, let's not. Thank let's not. Story. Let's not go in a bad direction with this, Steve. Let's go back further. Is it true that when you were a kid, you took naps in rod locker of a bass boat? This is the truth. Yeah. So as as a young kid, dad was into tournament fishing big time. He worked four days a week, off three. And, you know, mom worked at the hospital. So she was working weekends at times and that. So, yes, when, when dad went to the lake, we went to the lake and – yeah, especially if it was going to rain or something big, we'd clear out the rod locker and we'd crawl in there and take naps. And we used to fight. I mean, when it rained, we used to fight over who was going to get under the console instead of getting in the locker. <laughs> so, yeah, we'd fight over who was going to get under the console and stay out of the rain. And usually when we woke up, I mean, you're, you're talking about 11 or 12 o'clock, wake up, and that's usually when we catch the biggest fish of the day, too. So it's kind of odd that always worked out. But. I could just see a young Steve Kennedy, the locker opening and stretching. Oh, there's, there's, there's a lot of guys around that still, have, yeah, have seen that scenario happen. So that's where those stories come from. One of the things I consider myself lucky enough to see is a lot of people will tune in and they see you on TV as, as an angler. But much further than that, dude, you're an incredible family man. Like you really, like when I watch you, I'm like, man, I, I need to go home to my, I'm a bad dad. Like I started, but it's amazing to watch how you've, your kids. I mean, I look at the elite series and I look at some people and I'm like, that dude's here 
just to win everything. And that dude's here for this. I feel like you're here to win, but you're also here just for the experience. Is, is that we, wrong or right? We love the travel. So, yeah, yes, I'm very, I like spending time with my wife. I like spending time with my kids. I love the travel, you know, all the places we get to go. To, I love to, you know, side trip fishing, go trout fishing, go saltwater fishing, go. I mean, we meet all kinds of people and get to do all kinds of stuff all over the country. So, uh that is what I enjoy the most about it. And yes, I have to pay the bills. I got to catch bass. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> we can go another side. I have to catch limits to stay in this deal. You know, <laughs> so it's hard for me to put down the big base. I like I like catching big fish. So uh, I get I get sidetracked sometimes. <laughs> Those big baits, you've won a lot of money on them, but they've they've also they've also bit you. Do you think? Meeting that big bait and that addiction to big baits has been positive or negative in your life, or does it all depend on the uh, Anyway, I enjoy doing it, so it's a positive. How about that? But, but from a point standpoint, I think it's hurt me over the years. Uh, you know, I just, I think it's cost me angler of the year more than once, and it probably will going forward, too. So. <laughs> but, but I enjoy doing it. That bite, I mean, it's like a big jig thump watching it all go down it's just it's visual it's it's so much fun to me so you're you know some anglers i've talked to we've had several anglers on that are like if it wasn't for tournament fishing i probably wouldn't fish but i feel like you're the exact opposite of that because i've seen oh, you <laughs> like everywhere a tournament's over i've seen you idling out on lake fork to go back out there i've seen you trout fishing after hours in a tournament like you're obsessed with the sport of fishing aren't you I, yes, yes, I've got yes, I've got my bass boats. I got my aluminum boats for running up the river. I got saltwater boats, and yeah, it's just it's managing time and and money. I mean, it's it's not it's not cheap to go fishing, dude. <laughs> so, so yeah, we we have to manage, you know, what we can do when we can do it. But but yes, that's what I'm all about. Going fishing, I I love the challenge of it, and it's just anyway, it's what I've always done. I love it, absolutely love it. When I see you going out at Fork, um, is that is that just is there something you didn't learn that weekend and have been chomping at the bit to go out and try, or is that just like, man, we're at Fork, we got to go fish? <laughs> it's a little of both. Yeah, a little of both. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Did I go back out after the event? Is that what yeah, you're yeah. It was a couple of years ago. I remember the I boats were coming in, and you were idling out. <laughs> I got I got on a pretty good bite the last time we were there, and I got outfished. I'm gonna tell you right now. I just I don't know if I got in a bad rotation, didn't have the right baits. I'm still not sure what we what I missed. I, I do recall going back out after after he caught him on those big top waters. Yeah, I watched that. That's probably the one you're talking about. I, I watched that on live, and as soon as they weighed in, I headed out there, and I got some incredible bites, but. But that didn't play this past year, so yeah. But but anyway, it was it was worth it for sure. <laughs> Unbelievable. Do you feel you think like other anglers, or, or, or do you think you think much different than other anglers? Uh, at this point, it's got to be different. But you know, I don't know what other people think. I don't know what they see. I don't. I don't know. But but it's pretty obvious. I see things differently than a lot of people. So. So probably do. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> we all, I mean, we're all different. So that's. <laughs> yeah, no, we are. And, and I think that when people become truly happy and truly successful, it's when they succumb or accept who they are and stop trying to be somebody else. Like you see people trying to, and dude, you're unapologetically yourself from the first day I've ever met you. You've always been that Steve Kendi, the Steve Kendi you talk to here is no different than, you know, than I talked to behind the stage. A lot less nervous, though, behind the stage. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, well, that's totally understandable. I mean, it's, it's it, there's dozens of people watching this, Steve. I mean, uh, it's very nerve-wracking, I'm sure. A whole dozen, yeah. There you go. <laughs> it makes me feel so much better. <laughs> people refer to you as one of the greatest natural anglers. You know, talent-wise, like, that, he can figure out fish. He's an incredible natural angler. Who do you put in, in that group? Who do you watch? And you're like, well, I mean, the guy I probably learned the most from this past, Mr. Aaron 
I just anyway, he's he's amazing, no doubt. Clint's there. You know, Clint is one of those guys. I'm I'm you know with everybody. He's one of the few guys I talk to these days out on tour. So uh, so yeah, Clint's one of them. I mean, there's there's a few more. My dad. I mean, that's all he does. He's you know he's trying to tries to stick to the club stuff, but but yeah, he probably goes fishing more than I do, <laughs> and and has for his whole life. So. <laughs> Could you ever see yourself fishing at, at Rick Clun's age? I've considered it. Yeah. I'm, you know, <laughs> I it's don't your know. life, though. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, talking about that, I, you know, I feel like I got five, maybe 10 good years of where I got a reasonable chance of winning the classic or winning the angler of the year. But, uh, but yeah, I hope I'm still doing it at that age, honestly. So. <laughs> Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, I think Clun's yeah, like I you. And, like <laughs> I think Clun and you are very similar in the way that it's more than just chasing trophies. Like it, 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 Clun, Rick is very much about the experience and the whole, you know, everything. And, and I feel like because of that reason, it's hard to retire because it's who you are. You know what it I mean? Is. Right. I'm going to be doing it anyway. So yes, why not? But, but yeah, it's not, and it's not necessarily just fishing. I mean, I just love being in the outdoors. We, uh, we went out to that, um, us open with bass cat here a couple of months ago. Yeah. And then we back, We went, uh, hiking to the bottom of the grand Canyon. I bought backpacks for the kids. And I got to do that back when I was, I had to think about it. I was 13 years old. My mom loaded up a Suburban with four kids. Dad didn't go. And we spent six weeks driving around the West. And uh, in six weeks, we spent three nights in a hotel room. The rest of the time, we were camping. And uh, so, yeah, my daughter was, I think she was 12 at the time. But, yeah, we, uh, 12 or 13. But, yeah, I had to take them down there, giving them that experience. And it was cool, dude. Very cool. Yeah, I imagine. is. I think I know the answer to this. Why did your dad not go on that trip? Was that 82? That was 82. <laughs> so he was actually supposed, you know, he didn't, mom, you know, just took off work. But but dad was, uh, only had two weeks of vacation time, I guess, back then. So, yes, he, uh, he was supposed to fly out to Yellowstone and then drive back with us. And he qualified for the classic that year and needed the vacation time and, so he didn't make it. So yeah, it was just mom and four kids. Anyway, it was a fun trip. It, it, it made an impact on my life for sure. And you can clearly see that because I mean, it, I think some, in some ways you watch somebody in the way they are as a dad and a parent. And I mean, you can see that you had a fun youth, you know what I mean? Like you had adventures and you know, like that. And that's what you want to duplicate for your kids. Tell me what it was like to be a kid. And have your dad in the Bassmaster Classic. I mean, we all take it for granted, all these kids like your kids that grow up around it, but it is got to be a pretty like, – that's the classic, and that's my dad. That's pretty cool. I, I, I do recall 82 was the first year they didn't put him on a plane and go fly somewhere. Mom was kind of upset because they <laughs> go to the Alabama River, which was, you know, 40 minutes from where they grew up. So. <laughs> She wasn't, she wasn't too excited about that part of it, but I think dad was, I mean, it was a place he'd been and knew a little bit about anyway. So, uh, but anyway, it's see blank. It's only blank. What were we talking about? Yeah, we're talking about your dad at the Bassmaster Classic. <laughs> dad at the Classic, me being there. Yes. It made an impression. I, I, I wanted to get to the Classic. I want to win the Classic. Dude. More than anything in the world, I want to win the Classic. More than Angler of the Year, I've. I feel like Angler of the Year is a bigger accomplishment, but I want to win the Classic. And you've been close. I want to win. I've been so close. I've had the opportunities. There's no question. I've had multiple opportunities to win and and choked. That's the only way to put it. (laughs) I choked on that last one. So, How how do you say you choked? I just – I mean, we had the weather that kept me from going out and fishing – the pattern I did the day before that had me leading, but, but then I went out, I, I felt like I had two winning patterns and I got out there on those big fish. And anyway, I hooked that eight plus, I don't know how big that fish was, but I let him jump in the boat. I let him flip over. I had a moment of there, which way do I pull? I, re- I haven't watched the video. I won't watch that video because 
I need to, but I just, I can't do it. But, uh, but yeah, I had a whole moment of this is not good and, and lost that fish. I would have still been leading. Had I been leading, I would have gone and swam my jig in the morning and caught me 12 or 13 pounds. And anyway, but, but that's, I mean, that's the deal with big fish. Big fish make a huge difference in our events and, and you got to put them in the boat. If you don't, Anyway, <laughs> just listening to you talk about that fish to me explains a lot about you. Like in the way that like I'll talk to other people and they'll be like, I lost a big fish. But you every time we've ever had a conversation about losing a fish or even catching a fish, you, you it's very detail oriented. You know, the fish swam this way. and it jumped. When you're fighting a fish, are you thinking about all of those things? Because I feel like even when I'm talking to you, you're calculating, you know, even right. yeah. conversation. Yeah. Anyway, you don't let him jump. That's the first rule. <laughs> but you know, I mean, just thinking about it, I'm I will never forget that fish. But but yes, he was down, you know, just I I'm not sure he was in the tree. I think he actually bit me outside of a tree, but but I put as much pressure as I could possibly put on him to get him away from the tree. And then when you get him to the boat, you gotta keep him from jumping. And I just I didn't make that transition. I didn't I didn't do what I needed to do. So yes, we're anytime you, you mess up like that, you're going to analyze everything you did. I mean, it's just, <laughs> and that one sticks out probably more than, more than any. And I mean, it's, it was a cool deal. I, we actually went and pre-fished, you know, months before when we could still get there. And uh, I caught my personal bet. I caught a 10, 10 on my scale, I think is what he weighed, but probably 11 pounder doing that and uh anyway i was i was the opportunities were there another thing that got a lot of people talking was last year pickwick dam you're <laughs> up there are you when you're in that situation and in i had you know i was lucky enough me and davy were hosted at that time and you know then this shot goes to steve kennedy up in the whitewater and i mean people went crazy when they saw that but so are you, do you feel like you're taking a risk when you're up there or you just have so much experience doing that, 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 that the risk is for those that haven't tried it? Like, you know, don't I'm, I'm not sweating doing that like I am doing this. Let's put it that way. So I grew up in, in Fort Valley, Georgia. We were five minutes from the Flint River. We've run that river with, I mean, inches of water, run over, get a running start to jump logs, just... I mean, that's just, that was our Sunday afternoon kind of thing. But, but again, I'm, I'm in an aluminum boat kind of deal. So, you know, I'm, I'm more concerned about damaging my boat. And because, you know, if you make 10000 but it costs you 10000 well, <laughs> it wasn't worth it. You know what I mean? So, so, yeah, I'm more worried about damaging the boat than I am going in the water. We, I mean, for fun, we go canoeing or kayaking and, and you go swimming in that, maybe not that big, but similar stuff. And just, I mean, it was an easy float out. It's, it was nothing. There was nothing there that I was concerned about. The, the only thing I was worried about was, was my partner, my camera guy. Yeah. The worst thing that can happen is to get pinched between a boat and a rock. That's the only, that's the only concern. So it's same thing with a canoe. When I was a kid, we did the, uh, I floated the Nantahala river with my mom and the last little bit has got a couple of big falls right there. And my mom got caught between the canoe and the rock and she had made us wear helmets at the time, which I thought was kind of ridiculous 40 years ago, <laughs> Yeah, but, but she had made us wear them and it actually bent the canoe around her head and there's people there with ropes, you know, throwing ropes. I mean, there's, there's a huge crowd because you're right there at the takeout and everything. And uh, I'm sitting there looking at them saying, where's mom? And they're all got shrugging their shoulders. They're like, we don't know. And I'm like freaking out by that point. But, uh, but, but the, all you just need to do if you fall out of a boat there, the first thing is to get out to the end of the boat, get on the upstream side of it or stay at the ends. You don't want to get pinned underneath it either, but, but that was my biggest concern. We had on life this. I think I had one guy wore two life this. <laughs> but anyway, it's we go in the water like that and that type of stuff a lot, just canoeing the rivers around here. We're 
the other thing, we're, we're right along what's called the fall line. So yeah. south here is, you know, flat coastal plain type stuff. And it transitions up into the tail end of the Appalachians. And so, yeah, that's, that's what we do for fun. I just, what? I just don't want to hurt the boat. <laughs> yeah. I, I dinged up the, I dinged up the lower unit up there too. So, uh, well, I mean, you can't, you, you had to take some licks up there. I mean, you, uh, you, that was part of a calculated risk. I would assume. That was, right? Anyway, I got up there. Yeah, I hooked that big fish. Really, the the first cast. I mean, that one particular spot. That first cast, and and the back of the boat touched the rock, and so yeah, I just started bailing out. Next thing I know, I'm hooked up and tied up in the tree. That was anyway. That wasn't a pretty incredible moment too. <laughs> I still, I still to this day don't know how I pulled as hard as I could, broke the tree, and then broke him off trying to lift him at the boat. I just. I guess it just prayed too much, but yeah, I guess sooner or later, I mean, you, it's pretty extreme. Something's gonna, something's gonna give at some point, but it was, That's, it was one of the most shared clips from bass all year long. I was anyway, it was an incredible moment. The one at the classic, I lost that one. I lost that six pound small mile. I finished second at the first at Tennessee river. I broke off a five pounder, the last cast there. <laughs> it didn't cost me anything. Thank goodness. Cause, uh, Guess he ran away with it, but uh, but yeah, I lost. I broke off a five pounder trying to boat flip it because I didn't want to take the time to lip it. I was, I mean, literally had a minute to get the way in and tried to boat lip, boat flip a five pounder and lost him. So I had some moments. <laughs> I had some great moments, but I had some some pretty terrible ones too. <laughs> I mean, but I think that's also part of live that lives exposed in the past. You used to see somebody go in the morning and, you know, you might get some video of them fishing, but you don't see to me. I think it's the coolest thing because everybody gets to see everything you guys go through. I mean, it's not, you know what I mean? Like those fish mean a lot more when you see everything that goes on. I mean, one of the biggest examples that I always use and you already brought them up, the late great Aaron Martins, that Chesapeake Bay stands out to me as one of the greatest moments in life. Be not because of because of what he did, but it was because we watched for four or five hours him not do anything. And, uh, and everybody <laughs> thought, is it going to be another? And then he turned tides, <laughs> caught a seven-pounder. Yes, and it just like flipping a light switch. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yes, anyway, I love the live. It's, it's, it's incredible how much time we've been getting here lately. And uh you get to share these moments. I mean, people actually get to see them and you can, it's not just me telling a story. That's. Uh, Is there uh, anything you don't like about live? I don't have, I mean, I'm comfortable with the guy filming me while I'm fishing. I have no issues with that whatsoever. It's when you start picking my brain. <laughs> so it's <laughs> me that's intimidating. But, but when I'm doing what I do, I have no issues with it whatsoever. I just, he might get in the way every once in a while, but that's rare. So <laughs> we just throw elbows. <laughs> what is this time of year for you? Because somebody like you that, that I, when I watch you, I find you very meticulous with everything. I feel you think through a lot, you know, all of that stuff up there. There's a bunch of guys in the elite series that would run right up to that dam and do exactly what you did, but have no idea what to do if they fell in the water or think it through. But for you, you seem to think, so is this time of year getting ready for the season? Is that a relaxing thing, a stressful thing? What is it for you? It's, it's a lot of things. And this is the longest off season we've ever had. And I mean, with COVID, I mean, we've had, we've had more time at the house than, than <laughs> normal. Let's put it that way. So, uh, you know, yes, that's, I go over scenarios. I'm trying to learn new techniques, new baits, new. I spend a lot of time on the internet. I mean, the, the big baits we were talking about earlier. I've uh, spent a lot of time trying to learn that stuff. I found, you know, some of these Facebook pages, Swimbait Universe, Swimbait Underground. I didn't know all this existed two years ago, honestly, two or three years ago. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, there's there's a lot of garage builders out there building baits that are pretty impressive, pretty expensive too. But yeah, that's anyway. Julia, you've been texting with Julia, you know. Oh, she she says gonna... more swim baits show up than Amazon packages at your house. 
It's uh, uh <laughs> anyway, I'm there's I, I invested heavily in the soft plastics back when. I mean, really, I've I've been ahead of that game, I think, for a long time, but but I was missing out on the glides. I mean, I've learned I've learned a lot here the last couple of months. And and then I try to go play with them and it caught some pretty big fish playing with them. So but you know, can you does that translate to tournament time when you're fishing behind somebody? You know, could I just caught that fish on a spinnerbait or a jig? You know, my typical stuff. But it's I don't know, but but I got some cool stuff to play with. <laughs> if if you had to pick one characteristic that that makes you good at at the sport of professional fishing, what characteristic would it be? <laughs> See, sweat. <laughs> There's I no wrong answer. I, I I don't I don't know. I guess I process things differently. I don't know. I just I, I process. I don't know. I don't I don't know what sets me apart, but. I mean, as far as, you know, what I'm trying to do, I've, I've got a lot of experience with a lot of different types of fish. Uh, you know, I try to approach things as match the hatch or, yeah. you know, occasionally you want something off the wall, but, but, but yeah, try to figure out what the fish are feeding on and try to imitate that to the best of my ability and, and things will happen. That's, does it matter? It doesn't. Everybody gets hung up on locations. Tournaments are one, one typically on spots. I mean, you find the right school to fish, you you can you're gonna win. But but when it comes to fishing for points, and if you watch that blast off, there's boats go left, go right. I mean, there's a few places they'll collect 10, 15, sometimes 50 boats. But <laughs> but but guys scatter out. It doesn't. To me, it doesn't matter which way you go, where you stop the boat. If you fish the conditions that are in front of you, you're going to be okay. <laughs> Is that the biggest mistake that people make in tournament fishing, that they, they don't fish the conditions, they fish the conditions that they prepared for or thought was going to be? I'm, I'm guilty of that probably as much as anyone. But that's, yes, I, some, of my, some of my worst tournaments are the ones I had the best practice on, and some of my best tournaments are the ones that I didn't even practice for or only had a day on the water, just, just fishing by the seat of my pants. But, but the flip side of that, I've had them go the opposite way too. So <laughs> I would prefer to have time on the water and, and fish free during the event, and that's, that's extremely hard to do, dude, extremely. <laughs> For all of us, I think. <laughs> yeah. What goes through your mind through a day of competition? Like, how focused are you on the – like, do you, are you thinking about your next move or are you totally into this cast that I'm I'm focusing on that or are you all over the place thinking about your next – All over the place. All over the place. It costs me fish too. <laughs> but I'm all over the place trying to pay attention, pay attention to what's going on around you, you know, with all the electronics we have now, it's, you know, we've got even more information. So, you know, I'm, I'm torn between the, you know, the instincts, the rig climb, pay attention to what's going out on around you, you know, a shad flicking over there or, or do I look at the electronics or do I watch, watch my line? That's, I mean, with, I love the active target stuff. Absolutely love. It's incredible to see fish in real time chasing your bait up, but, but, I also know I need to be watching my line for when that bite happens. And that, that one right there is like, I'm, I'm torn where to be paying attention. And, and we have more information now than we ever have. So. (laughs) What do you think the long-term, you know, everybody's got a different opinion, good, bad, or indifferent, but what do you think the, how do you think fish will adjust to forward facing sonar as we move ahead? Or do you think they won't adjust at all to it? I, I mean, yes, to some degree. I mean, they always have, but we're not going to catch them all. <laughs> just, I just, I see guys just, I mean, that goes back. We, we were talking about a little bit, the A-Rig. Everybody's acting like you're going to catch all the fish. And no, you're not. You're not even coming close. I, uh, my first job out of college, I went to work for the Georgia DNR. Mm-hmm. My bill was drawing up boat ramps, getting permits for boat ramps, but, but, you know, I got to go out in the boat, in the shock boat, and then, you know, I would go fishing beforehand. I would go shock, and then I would go after. And and 
like a tree I would catch one or two fish out of. There's like 15 <laughs> in there, dude. I mean, it's like, I mean, it was so eye-opening. And, you know, doing all that, I actually set up the spreadsheets they used to, to do their conditions, so size and weight and percentages. You know, it was early 90s, I guess. Computer PCs had only been out since the 80s. So, so, yeah, none of the biologists knew anything about that stuff. So I actually set up their spreadsheets to sort all the fish into sizes. And, I mean, and I've, you know, I've seen the numbers. And everybody's, the fish are there. Yeah. <laughs> They're there. It's just, how do you catch them? And how do you catch them better than everybody else? So, yes. I mean, as everybody goes offshore, it gets easier to catch them near shore. It's just, it's, I actually struggle. I mean, I don't know if we can talk about this or not, but when everybody left and we, you know, we got some new anglers in on bass and everything, I had one of my worst years ever. And everybody seemed to think I'm just going to dominate these guys. Well, it was, it was more, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the fish as much as learning the anglers I'm competing against back, you know, everybody had their little niche. You knew where air was going to be. You knew yeah. where it was going to be. You knew, you know what I mean? Yeah. So a lot of these younger guys are doing it the same way I am. and <laughs> I'm having to find my own niche again. <laughs> Did you feel more pressure that season? Because I mean, you're not the only one. There were several people, you know, that everybody pointed out. And said, nope, they're going to win Angler of the Year. They're going to dominate because, I mean, the guys that came over were not going to catch a fish at that time, if you remember. Uh, evidently, <laughs> that, that turned out wrong. Um, but, um, but did you feel more pressure going into that season? Like, man, I, I got to live up to this hype? or, or no, no, Bass, no, I did not. Honestly, it was it was more about helping Bass, bass survive. And it was, there were a lot of questions, a lot of questions in, but. But no, I didn't. Bass kind of took the pressure off and said, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna drop anybody next year, kind of thing. So so I, you know, I kind of went for it a little more and it probably cost me again, but <laughs> I learned a lesson. <laughs> I feel like you like to go for it more. Like if you if you I could did. just go for it in every tournament, that would make you That's happy. That's what I would do, yes. I, but I, you know, you won't you won't be able to qualify, you won't re-qualify. I mean Especially with us cutting the fields back, <laughs> it's things to get tight. Yeah, very tight. <laughs> it's um, gonna get. We lost. We lost Snowden, who's been with us since the beginning. So uh, then we're probably gonna lose a few more next year. Just <laughs> the names that have been around for quite a while. So <laughs> yeah, it's getting I mean, competitive. There's no question. It's gonna be competitive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I recently someone told me that the Elite Series is. Uh, Almost impossible to qualify, but almost unimpossible. Uh, but it's almost impossible not to be removed. And I'm like, you are <laughs> very mistaken. Because if you look, <laughs> 13 names, just look at the list right now. Remove all the rookies because they're not part of it. You know, they get two years. And tell, count the 13 names that, that, that are going to go. And you, it's some, I, it's a tough deal. We, we're going to have to have a discussion about the two-year rookies with a shorter field, though. I'm... I'm kind of worried about that, man. We're gonna have 26 first or second year rookies plus plus some holdovers from the prior year. So you're talking about 30 new guys every two years, two or three years. It's <laughs> that's a third of our field. So <laughs> and, and and anyway, it's it's gonna make it interesting. You're gonna have to catch them to stay in it at this point. I believe it. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's it, nothing about the elite series is easy. That that but I can. Yeah. There, there were a couple of years there where nobody was getting bumped, and if you had the money to pay up, it was you were in. But but that's not the case. There's a lot of guys sweating it. <laughs> is is that pressure? I mean, the, the truth about pro fishing, in my opinion, because I I used to think you know, like if you accomplish so much in life or whatever, there's no. In pro fishing, the the pressure is never not that like you, you've got pressure when you first start to stick around, and then you stick around for a while, and you're like, "Isn't it? You haven't won in a year or two years." You feel that pressure, like the pressure never ends as a pro angler, does it? It, it doesn't. No, but 
But again, I'm just doing what I love to do. So <laughs> I just, I have to make decisions. So I, you know, keep the points up. That's the, I can't go for it all the time. Uh, <laughs> I got one for you. This will be a fun one. Everybody keeps comparing me to, uh, not everybody, but certain people have compared me to the Talladega Knights. <laughs> Ricky Bobby? Ricky Bobby, right. They're the Ricky Bobby of bass fishing. I've heard that <laughs> one a couple of times. And, uh, you know, I don't exactly see it that way. But but as much as I love throwing the, the big swim baits, I, you know, I may need to embrace it a little bit. Because if you're not first, you're last. <laughs> I would love you to show up on a Wonder Bread wrap. <laughs> What's that? I would love you to show up with your boat wrapped by Wonder Bread. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, well, we're, <laughs> we're going to have to look into it. But, but you know, I mean, that's, that's the mentality. I mean, it really is. It's hard to put them down. When you get a bite, it is unbelievable. So. One of the things that I know upset you over the years was the Alabama rig. You, you were pretty against bass making that illegal. And I think in retrospect, in my opinion, this is simply my opinion. Uh, I wouldn't say this is the opinion of bass or whatever, but I think you were right. You know what I mean? Like it's proof that it became a tool that works and it's, it, it is incredible when it's on, but it's not. The be all end all. It's not the be all end all of bass fishing. And you're not going to catch all the bass out of the lake. They even at Gunnersville, where it was so big, they're conditioned to it, and they key on single baits. And no, it was it was that good. Just like a lot of other baits, you know, chatterbait comes to mind. Um, there, you know, it was that good for a couple of years. But 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 beyond that. You know, I was sitting there. I'm like, how do you make it illegal? Because, I mean, a spinnerbait, you know, I have an old, old, you know, fishing lure, history of bass fishing stuff. A spinnerbait was originally just a wire harness to connect a jig and a spoon. Yeah. Blades. Blades came after, you know. I mean, it's, I mean, this group would have banned spinnerbaits. (laughs) But again, it, it wasn't so much, I didn't feel like it was so much they're going to catch all the fish. I think it was certain brands were trying to compete. You know, it was owned by man's at the time. I think it was. And yeah, the strike King guys and the, were the ones pushing that, what I want to call BS. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> and anyway, yes, it's, we need some limits, you know, is it three hooks? Is it five hooks? You know, I don't, I don't have a problem with limiting it at three hooks, but 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 the way the rules written, so making an exception for blades and not other stuff on there, I I did not like that at all. It was still don't. Do you <laughs> even, again, we don't we don't want guys out there trolling, strolling with you know. <laughs> yeah. Do you throw it when you fun fish? Ah, on occasion, but no, it's not fun to get five swim baits swimming in the same direction, but, but, but it's a tool. If, if they're on those little bitty baits and in, in the pods, it's the deal. So, but no, if I'm going fun vision, I'm throwing a big swim bait. Come on now. Yeah, no, I would, <laughs> just, I would just assume that you'd almost have to, because it's illegal, a person like you would almost have to remove it from your arsenal. Totally. Even fun fishing. Cause you just, I mean, the first time I threw an Alabama rig and really had success on it, I picked up every other lure for a week straight and was disappointed because you're just like, and now I'm going to throw a tube jig and catch them one at a time. This is horrible. <laughs> anyway, I do it every now and then just to say I did. I've caught five at a time for sure, just to say I did. But you but caught I mean, five catch, at once. We, what? You did we five did, at once, all five of them? We did five. I, I I won't say I did. I won't say dad. I saw dad catch 10 at a time once. So we, back in the day, back, way back, you know, talking seventies here, but yeah, uh, yeah they come up schooling, huge schools of bass would come up on top and used to throw a, a plunker and jig. So he'd have a, a line with 10 jigs underneath it and he'd have 10 on there. You know, most of them are 10 inches long, <laughs> but Anyway, it was a, it was a cool deal. Just, it was one of those just to say I could do it, you know, but, 
but catch them 10 at a time. I've seen it done. Yeah, I've never seen that, but that, that, that would be incredible. You, uh, does it bother you the speed that things get out? I know you've tried to keep a few secrets over the years, but in <laughs> your line of work, those secrets. Of live. Yeah. Being ahead of the crowd with live is almost impossible. So, yes, there's, I mean, that's, if there's a downside to it, that's it. But, but, but it's good for the sport, dude. Unbelievable good for the sport. So, is it true or false that you once ran from Zona so he could not see your lure? <laughs> no, I did not do that. I refused to give him one of my Bass Pro swim baits after West Point. Yeah, had. West Point. Yeah. That's the one. So, way back when, I won an FLW with a bait that I painted and I caught some on a Cinco. And uh, I gave them the baits that I won with, and they're going to send them back. Well, they stuck them in a Ziploc bag, put a Cinco in with my custom-painted bait, and it showed up with the paint eating off of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. But, but those baits, I've only got uh, maybe, I mean, the good color, I only have maybe five of them. And no, you're not getting one. <laughs> it's not personal. It's not. <laughs> well, I didn't think it was personal. No. But- <laughs> it's your tools. You want to keep them. I, no, you're not getting that one. I, the other stuff, yes, but I think that's the one where. <laughs> no, you can't have one. <laughs> All right, I won't ask for any baits. What makes a bait like when you look at a pile of baits, and I, and I'm talking the exact same lure, exact same brand, and everything, but there's always some that are better. You know what I mean? Whether it's crank baits, whether it's soft plastic, whatever. This one runs better. What in your mind? makes that bait better uh some about i mean i'm an engineer something about the natural frequency of that or or the erratic maybe not may not be the frequency it may be something erratic about it but but i mean i got i mean dad dad made the classic throwing the old maxi r's uh you know he was you know had he done this as a as a pro he'd be a david Fritz or maybe a larry nixon he's always offshore Big worm, Carolina rig, that type of stuff. But he, back then he was he was into the crankbaits, the big crankbaits. We used to buy the the maxi R's a gross at a time, twelve dozen at a time. Wow! And all those baits, two or three would be the deal. You could catch fish on the others, but but to this day I don't know what was different about those couple, but. But I mean, he made the classic at, at Oconee. He he weighed in sixty something pounds. Second was forty. He beat him by twenty pounds, and and he was catching two four pounders at a time. Wow! And and he gave you know he gave his partner the box with all the others. He said, "You're welcome to any of them," and and just sit there. You know, I mean, he caught him in no time, and then let the other guy fish. And anyway, I. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we always talk about the, the square bills hunting. I mean, yeah. that's something a little to trigger them. And with any bait, you can make it, you know, something erratic is, is a big part of it. But, but, but there's no doubt that certain individual baits, even in the plastic baits, are better than others. And it takes a lot of time to figure out which baits those are and which they aren't. It's, you know... I feel like Fritz, when he first came on tour, he had some baits that that he had spent the time modifying and knew they caught fish. And, you know, over the years, I think you lose that going to different lakes. And do, I think you do. <laughs> did it ever frustrate you watching Fritz win all those tournaments back in the day? And he would walk all the way around the boat and hand over hand, and every time he'd come back to that light post, he'd circle the boat three times, and he'd get back to that light post, and he'd go hand over hand, and I would always watch and scream at the TV and be like, take out the light. It's the middle of the day. <laughs> Did that ever dawn on you? I didn't remember that, but I, I have taken I have taken him around the boat two or three times, Fritz style. He, uh, I used to, Yeah, I used to say he was my hero with that big crane bait, dude, because we spent a lot of time out there doing it. Honestly, you know, one of the things that got me here – he's he's probably the only seminar that I ever went to that that I came away 
with something that really helped me. And, and it was in Perry, Georgia. We sat down in a, a classroom type setting and he's like, what do y'all want to talk about? Cause he, he didn't have a presentation. He didn't have just, we just got to pick his brain. And I, I remember somebody asked him what his favorite color was and I'm not going to mention, but, uh, but I'm like, really, I don't even have one that, and, <laughs> Anyway, I ended up custom painting some baits that I, you know, that I liked in that color. And, and it, anyway, it is, it's helped. And <laughs> you're, sure. not gonna, yeah. you're not going to, you're not going to tell I'm not going to share that here. No, it's, wow. <laughs> you may know. You may know. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think about, if I had to tell you, here's one, what do you think the single greatest bass lure ever invented? It doesn't have to be brand, but style of lure. What, if you had to pick one lure and you said, that's the greatest in bass fishing history. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have one like that. I, was, I can't. But see, that's why I asked you that because I think that you could never answer that because it's, it's the single greatest for that moment. That's, that's, that's a good way to put it. Yes. There's so many, but I don't know. If you go back way back, I, the one I probably caught the most fish on, I don't get to do it on tour much was the old snagless Sally. Yeah. It was uh that's about the only spinnerbait dad ever throws still. <laughs> and uh, it kind of got replaced by the chatterbait, but but for a long time it was a uh, it was a go-to for me. Yeah. No, I remember watching you on FLW with that. I mean, you were the aluminum boat guy for a while. Like that's how I got to know Steve Kendi initially. You know what I mean? This guy is whooping everybody's butt in an aluminum boat. Um I do you miss those days in a bit, in a way? <laughs> There's another rule I'm not a big fan of. Yeah, we have to fish out of a single boat all year. So, uh, yes, I miss I miss a lot of that. I mean, I got I still own I still own the original tracker out there, and uh, I got another aluminum out here that that I run in the rivers. But but yeah, like I said, I grew up five minutes from the Flint River catching those shoal bass, and uh, and then yeah. I, I ended up winning four BFLs out of the aluminum, and I fished my first full season of FLW out of that boat. Not necessarily because I had to, but but because I wanted to. <laughs> so but if it was, on I learned a few lessons. I mean, it's it's hard to compete on these big bodies of water. It's hard with that with the limitation. So yeah. So I, if it was unlimited and you had an unlimited budget, what what? How many boats would you like to go into a tour season with? Into a tour, I'd probably get away with two, but probably three. I mean, a big, a big water, a, a, you know, a super fat my era. I mean, it's you know, eighty mile an hour boat and and relatively small. I guess that's probably be my bread and butter. But but yeah, I'd like to have an aluminum boat with enough range to, and I say aluminum with a with a tunnel and possibly a jet and two foots and. <laughs> And then, a, you know, a big water, an, an eerie boat kind of deal, or Ontario, wherever we're going. But, so to uh, play up to 22 foot long or bigger. <laughs> so to play devil's advocate, would that not put a new person to the sport at a disadvantage? Yes, potentially, but. You're not worried about that. <laughs> I, I'm worried about um, if we're worried about pricing people out. We need to talk about the cost of those. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. I mean, right I now, mean, one boat costs what three costs ten I, years ago. They got what cracked me up in that whole deal was was the guys that are getting that are being given boats, <laughs> complaining about me showing up in a boat that I paid three or four grand for. <laughs> it's. <laughs> But anyway, but I think I could do it. I'd be comfortable with two. Two. All right. All right. Well, Steve, but, I, I hate that I've made you uncomfortable today, but, but I love that you become uncomfortable here because that is when you're telling the truth. When you start to sweat, it's when I ask you a question that makes you think. I figured you out. <laughs> or am I wrong? I'm still sweating, but I'm, anyway, I'm enjoying this. this is, <laughs> oh, okay. I, it may bite me somewhere. Somebody... <laughs> Why? Why would it bite you? <laughs> Somebody have a different opinion than mine. So <laughs> we'll I'm hear about sure. it. We always hear about it, dude. Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You do. You do hear you about do. it. 
you hear more about it today than ever because everyone's got a voice and right. every, but the thing that I love about you is, is you're always honest. And even if I've ever asked you a question, you don't want to answer like the color question earlier. You said, I'm not telling you. And I, that's, I, I think that's how everybody needs to be real. I, I got a thought on that one too. I, you know, I have an engineering degree. Uh-huh. So, you know, as an engineer, if you misrepresent what you know and fake it, people die. Yeah. That's, that that is the mentality, you know, dad has an engineering degree. That is that is what I grew up around, you know. <laughs> you know, what fishing, you know, lying about what you call a fish on is not gonna kill anybody, but but it's just <laughs> There's a responsibility with it. So that that is where it comes from. I, you know, or at least I feel like that's where it comes from. So and I think it's just you. I mean, the one thing I love about you is you're always unapologetically you. Um, you know what I mean? Like you are you, and that but I think that's why your family is the family that that you know what I mean? Like I every family you know goes through different things, but I like every time I see your family, I'm like that that family has a great bond. You know what I mean? Like it just, it, it stands out to me, but, but I think that only happens when you're, when you're yourself and you are always yourself. Very happy. Very happy with my family. Extremely. Do you think about that Bassmaster classic moment and, and having that family ride around with you? I do. Yes, I do. It's, it has crossed my mind before. Yes. Is that what motivates you? Like, is it just conquering it? Is it giving it to somebody? Is it, what is it? What, why is the classic that? I, I mean, I, you know, I went with my dad, my dad going there when I was 13 years old, same year we went out West, you know, it was, it was, you know, that made the biggest impression on me. So, so yeah, I mean, I want to win it. I want to win it for him. I want to win it for me. I want to, I want to win it for my family. I mean, it's that's that all plays into it, I guess. So, well, I don't even know if you, because you're so focused on what you're doing. I don't think you probably even stop to realize how many people out there want you to win it. I mean, you literally, whenever you're, it, there's just a select group of anglers that whenever they start to charge in a tournament, there's an excitement, and and you are definitely one of those, and and it's amazing to see just how far your, you know, the amount of people that cheer for you, Steve, and it's literally, it's not through glitz. It's not through glamor. It's not through taglines and, you know, things that people manufactured. It's just from you being you. And I think that's why people relate with you. I see why I have a lot of fans. <laughs> I have a fair number for sure. So. <laughs> well, I'm a fan of you, Steve Kendi, and I appreciate, you doing this and uh, I can't wait till you win the Bassmaster Classic. I hope I'm there. Yeah. Do it quick. I need, I need it. Yes. <laughs> I need a few things to fall into place. I'm uh, I'm nervous about this next one for sure. The, the Bluebacks have got my number. They uh, It's one of those deals, you know, you can have an incredible practice and then where did they go? <laughs> so I've been I've been doing my research. I'm, I'm I've learned a lot over the years, but but they still make me nervous, dude. <laughs> when you say you've been doing your research, what what does research entail for you? Like this time, like outside of just the actual going to the lake and studying the lake, what do you do at home to prepare for a tournament? Well, we've got I mean we've got bluebacks in Lake Martin here, so yeah, not not like they've got over there, but we've got them. And but no, it's just research online about baits and techniques and I mean just lots and that takes you can't just go out and ask somebody you know which one how what where when people aren't out there posting you know this is the deal <laughs> you know what I mean so yeah so you're reading through lots of noise looking for those key key little bits and and there's not one search that gets you there. It's just lots and lots of breeding and, and, and then going and trying stuff and, you know, buying swim baits and going and trying. 
Julia, Julia's done with that. We got too much off season. She's done with it. <laughs> I, I told her the other day, thank God that they made the, the Alabama rig illegal. I'm like, do you realize how much more you guys would have spent on swim baits if you could fish in five and six at a time? Can you imagine five glides on there going different ways? Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it would be last last question I got for you. Is Google Earth? Is it the unsung hero of pro fishing right now that nobody's really talking about, but it seems to be a big, big player. It, it is a huge player. I didn't mention that one. Yes, but spend a lot of time on Google earth. There's a, there's, you know, on the PC, there's a, there's a history button. Yeah. You can look at it at low water. <laughs> you can, there's a lot of information, a lot of, you know, Anyway, you're putting together waypoints just from that. I mean, you can spend you can spend a week just doing that. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. It's it, anyway, it's an incredible amount of time behind the scenes getting ready for one of these events, especially you know one that you want to do that well in. It's yeah. you can't do that. In, you can't do that for every event. You you can't put in the same amount of time and effort for every event. So, uh, but the classic is one of them where you where you have to. So. Yeah, it's and it it seems you know. I mean, I, I could imagine the obsession that you have. I mean, everybody, it, it's the classic. There's only one. I mean, it it and and the closer you get, the more you want it. Closer I you get, the more you want it. I actually, yeah, I led. I actually led for a day and should have been leading for two. And <laughs> anyway, yes, it's, it's it's certainly driving me at this point. I I won an angler year. I mean, I've, I've finished second at one point. I've I've had some some good years, but but I know it involves putting down the swim bait more than I'm doing, <laughs> and I may or may not be able to do it. But you know, you get off to a good start, I might actually do it. But, but usually, yeah. usually when you fish tight like that, it, it ends up costing you. So <laughs> there's there's a lot there's a lot of processing and. A lot of decisions to be made, and some of them work, some don't. It's, it's part of it. You know, that's one thing about this sport. You're competing against 100 people, not just one. So it's hard to win. It's hard to win once in 10 years. Yeah. it's. I think that's the one thing that nobody takes into account, like the freakishly low even if you, you know, when you're on fire, you're still not winning much. You know you're what not I mean? Winning, right. So somebody might get two or three in a year. I, I think I've had two once, but yeah, it's, uh, no, it's anyway. I don't know what is What's the most anybody's won in a season? I don't know. I think, uh, I didn't win I two elites, but I won. In the elites, it's two, but I think two. it's three. Um, three. Okay. In total, um, but I know uh, I an FLW and elite once one time. I'm not sure if I threw a PAE in there or not. I had to look at it, but uh, they were. But yeah, I was winning a lot more back then than I am now. So I don't know. I don't know if it's me and the big baits, or I, or if it's the competition. I can't. And I think we go. Sure. We, yeah, I mean, I think things. It's just you know, it it's cyclical. It's, you know what I mean? It it. Things line. It's a weird sport where things have to line up for you. It's not like okay, next year we're gonna do this again and we'll be playing. It's all different tournaments and different. Even it's the same tournaments on the same dates. The conditions will be different. Different. Yes. That's anyway. That is that is the hardest part. Is the the weather goes through a three four day cycle there, and you know knowing which days to pick up which bait and it's it's hard. There's no doubt. The guy that can adjust the best usually ends up winning. So, well, like I said, I hope I'm there when you win, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm, I mean, I'll be there. I'm not stopping anytime soon. I don't plan on <laughs> not that I know of. I hope yeah. I get it while you're there. Who knows? <laughs> I hope uh, I get it the next few years for sure. So. All right, let's make that happen. Uh, Steve Kendi, I thank you for your time. I appreciate you sweating with me here for a little while and answering everything honestly and. Uh, I look forward to hanging out with you all season. Very cool. See you later. Thank you. And there you have it, Steve Kennedy. He truly is one of one, an original. And uh, I thank him for his time. I thank him for doing this. I thank Julia, his wonderful wife, for uh, 
setting this up or, or setting him up, depending on how you look at it. But I appreciate it because I enjoyed it, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. This was show 44, and 4 is my lucky number. So 44, I mean, it, it should have been a, a pretty lucky show. I hope you guys think so. I mean, basically, that's all I got. Actually, here's a question for you. Who do you think's going to win this weekend in Palatka, Florida? Give me a pick. One person. Is Steve Kennedy going to kick off the season with a win? That would be freaking cool. You guys let me know who you think's going to win. I appreciate your support. Week after week, this show grows. Show after show. It's unbelievable what uh, you guys have done. Uh, with this show and i thank each and every one of you for that we'll see you next time with uh, another guest and until then enjoy being have a great week and take it away uncle bob thanks for watching please like comment and subscribe because bob cobb of the bass masters told you to you hear <laughs>